Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Pinhole Press. Trying to find ways to entertain the kids this summer? Jump into the nostalgia machine and create a personalized memory game with your very own family photos at pinholepress.com. It's the memory game you played as a kid, only better because it's your photos. Visit pinholepress.com books and use the code books at checkout to get 20% off your personalized memory game. That's pinholepress.com books and enter the coupon code books for 20% off. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 63, and today we are talking about books released on July 19th, 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hello. And happy birthday. Thank you. It's your birthday while we're recording. I'm sorry that you're working on your birthday, but I'm glad this we're here together. This is the best way to do it. It's yeah. true. I'm sorry, because I have birthday brain. Oh. I ate birthday cake for breakfast and Good then plan. for lunch. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's the sugar or what, but I'm all over the place today. Well, it's important to have <laughs> variety in your birthday brain diet, so I recommend either cupcakes or donuts for dinner. Yeah, that might be good. Maybe some like nice gelato or something. A milkshake. Mm, I miss milkshakes. Remember those Jack Daniels milkshakes we had in Portland? Oh, those were so good. We started making those at home <gasps> or like approximating them. I know. I think I talked about it on the main podcast. And when I did, I got like 15 tweets from people who were like, how do you make those? Uh, just vanilla ice cream and milk and ice and some Jack Daniels. <laughs> so, yeah, you take a bite of vanilla ice cream and you take a swig <laughs> off the bottle. It's like how you take a sip of milk and then you squirt some Hershey's into your mouth yeah. and shake your head around to make chocolate milk. And then you don't have to do the dishes. It's the best of both worlds. You have your cocktail and your dessert all in one go. Yeah. Yeah. What could go wrong? <laughs> Those were so good. What was that place called? I wish I could remember. It was in uh, Portland, Maine. Mount, Ple- Mount Desert Island. On Mount Exchange Desert Island? Street, I think. Express Street? Exchange Street. Yeah. Yeah. Exchange Street. Someday we'll go back. Oh, I know. I... I've been a vegan almost three years now, and sometimes I'm like, what are these choices I have made? <laughs> but mostly and, I'm okay with it, but I do miss so, the Jack Daniels milkshakes. Yeah, I think that's valid. Um, have you read any special good books for your birthday? Are you just like wallowing around in a pile of birthday books? This is how I imagine you. No, Nobody buys me books <laughs> for my birthday, which I know a lot of readers have that. Um, but I am going book shopping tomorrow. Ooh. And I have, you know, people are like, I want to take you book shopping and buy you a book because I would never buy you something because I don't know what you haven't read. So um, that's awesome. That's my favorite. That's my favorite way to do it. Are you going in with a list or do you just serendipity it? I usually try to do like 50-50. Like I bring like a list of books I'm interested in. I see which ones they have. And then I'll pick like half of the ones that I want. And then the other half I'll walk around and be like that, 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 that. But I don't, I don't linger in bookstores. Like I... I, I know that sounds weird, but in any kind of shopping that I do, I'm like, I'm in, I'm out, get me home, I want to read some more. 
So even in the bookstore, I'm like, I want this, 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 and let's go. So It's efficient. I like it. Yeah. Just got to get back and read them. That's the important part. Well, we have to have some information so that we can do this show. So we've got to keep reading. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I guess we should tell our friends before we get started. The show's going to be a little bit longer than usual. We have an extra ad spot this week, uh, boring details about scheduling snafus. And so we are doing a bonus round uh, at the end where we're going to do some extra book talk. So there's extra actual, you know, fun content uh, for y'all since we are, you know, trying to keep things on the side of talking about all the books. Uh, now that we've done that, do you want to kick us off? Yes. Yes, I will. The first book... I'm going to talk about today is called The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware. You might re uh, recognize Ruth's name. She wrote a book last year called In a Dark, Dark Wood, and this is her second book, another thriller. Um, I read In a Dark, Dark Wood. I thought it was good. I'm not going to lie. I thought the ending was a little ridiculous, um, but I read The Woman in Cabin 10, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it appeals to the Agatha Christie fan in me. It's about a journalist named Lo Blacklock. Like, that's quite a name. Lo Blacklock. And it opens with her in her house, and there is a break-in. Like, she's in her house, and there is an intruder, and it's scary, and it's terrible, And but she gets over it. Um, she gets through it. And now she has been assigned a job uh, at the magazine. She works for a travel magazine. She's been assigned this amazing dream assignment to go on the maiden voyage of this multi-million dollar cruise ship called the Aurora. It's this very, very exclusive, fancy, like, 15-passenger cruise ship. And she's sort of, like, really rattled still from the break-in at her house. And her job is, like, really going nowhere. And this is her chance to impress her boss and also get this on her resume. And so she's like, sure, I'll, I'll go on this cruise. Um, and so she goes, it's this amazing, you know, there's a spa and all these millionaires are on there. And she's like, I am so lucky. Like, I am just here to just like eat this food and try out the spa and interview all these famous millionaires. And the first night that she's there, she hears a noise and she sees a woman's body being thrown over the side of the boat. No. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so she, she immediately, she's like, rouses you know, everybody, she's like, oh, this is what I saw, this is what happened, blah, 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 and everyone's like, hmm, okay, um, you know, did you see who it was, know all the stuff, she's like, but I think it's the lady next to me in, spoiler, cabin 10, um, and they're like, well, there is no woman in cabin 10, like, that cabin is empty, and she's like, no, no, I, I saw a lady in there earlier today, and they're like, no, and they go, and they look, and, and there's nobody in this cabin, like, no one's been there. And so now they're like, hmm, and they check the passenger list. All the passengers are accounted for. All the crew is accounted for. And so now it's like, did she actually see what she thought? She'd been out partying. She'd been drinking a little bit. She's taking some medication for her anxiety. The crew thinks that, you know, she's crazy. They think she was having like a nightmare or she imagined the whole thing or she was drunk. And so now the journalist in her decides to investigate a crime that she's not even sure happened. Um, but it sure looks like someone's going through a lot of trouble to keep her from investigating a crime that did not happen. Or is she just imagining that? And it's all, like, her talking to passengers and crew, and her ex-boyfriend has wound up on the ship through circumstances. And so he's, like, kind of hanging around, annoying her. Um, it's really cool. It's very Agatha Christie, like, you know, death on the Nile, you know, like, talk to the passengers. But, like, did this crime even occur? Like, who knows? So... 
It's tons of fun. It's a great summer book. Again, it's called The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware. That sounds awesome. I just read a good thriller over the weekend for next week, I think. So I can't tell you what it is yet, but that's part of the suspense. Oh, you're going to tell me. I'm going to ask you after. (laughs) I'll tell you next week. You have to wait. I gave you your birthday gift already. Um, I mentioned, I think, last week that I'm on this kick of, like, perfect summer novels, and a bunch of them came out today, so that's mostly the theme of my selections. And I'm going to start off with The Hopefuls by Jennifer Close. This is about a young woman named Beth who moves from New York to Washington, D.C. for her husband, Matt. She hates D.C. The city is confusing. If you've been there, you know it's, like, the most poorly laid out, like, planned city for... It was fine, maybe, in the 1700s, but, like, for a modern city to be laid out the way it is. It's super confusing. Traffic is terrible. The weather is swampy. The people are all Stepfordy. Everyone wears Ann Taylor, and all they ever talk about is work. She and Matt go to parties, and it's just who knows whom, how close someone got to the president, what's going to happen if Obama loses the election, and on and on and on. It's it's set a few years uh, prior to now. Matt eventually makes friends with this rising star White House staffer named Jimmy. He's from Texas, and his wife, Ashley, befriends Beth. Um, And they are like this, you know, sort of classic, I picture her as like a beauty pageant slash sorority girl, classic, like shiny, perfect Southern couple. Um, Ashley and Beth become friends and the two couples become inseparable. Um, Jimmy's star rises pretty effortlessly. He finds himself eventually running for office. Meanwhile, Beth's husband, Matt, is struggling just to figure out what he wants to do, how he's going to get his career to go somewhere meaningful and how he's going to make a name for himself. And along the way, we see like a few years in the life of these two couples that maybe share too much. Um, They, you know, go out to dinner together all the time. They hang out all the time. Eventually, Jimmy and Ashley have a kid and we see how that comes in. We see Jimmy's career progress with some moments of pause of like, how could he have even done this thing without Matt knowing about it? Is there something sort of fishy going on? And then there is eventual chaos. Uh, It's this searing portrait of marriage. It's a really smart look at intimate friendships, not sexually intimate friendships, just like very close friendships between two couples. And that like strange time of life in your late 20s and early 30s when uh, you're figuring out how to be a partner to someone and hang out with other people's partners and that like weird math you have to do about like, we like her, but do we like him enough? Um, What happens when your best couple friends have a kid. There was so much to relate to in it. I read it in one day at the beach last month and just really, really loved it. It's a fun read, uh, but it's still substantial. It's that great sort of life transition moment story through these characters. And uh, if you are into politics at all, if you like stories that are set in Washington, D.C., sort of the gossipier parts of the West Wing, uh, I think you would really dig it. Also, it's called The Hopefuls by Jennifer Close. Nice. So much fun. Yes. I was okay. going to be like, speaking of so much fun, uh-huh. um, bras! Yay! <laughs> I'm going to talk about our first sponsor today. Third Love is back. You know that we love Third Love if you've been listening to the show at all or watching our tweets. <laughs> uh, we just, we love Third Love. And their 24-7 t-shirt bra is the most comfortable bra I have ever owned. Um, yesterday at my birthday party, like, we were sitting around and there was, like, some uncomfortable silences. And I was like, I wonder if I should ask anybody if they heard of Third Love. I was like, that would make it even more uncomfortable. But, hey, why not? Um, it's just, it's, because it's that comfortable. Like, it's not something I ever thought I would be talking about. 
Um, but it's just super smoothing and it's invisible under every outfit. And the cups are made out of memory foam, which is like, it sounds like it's, you know, remembering everything about you, but it just re remembers your shape and it fits to you perfectly. It just molds to your shape to give you like a perfect fit. Um, it's just, it's so relaxing. I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not like trying to like break my arms behind my back to get it off. Like, it's just so comfortable. You know, sometimes I forget that I even have it on. Um, it's, it's absolutely great. And Third Love stands behind this product so much that they are willing to let listeners try this bra for free. That's right, free. You just pay for the shipping. You wear it for 30 days. You can take the tags off it. You can wash it. You can just do everything that you would normally do when you get a bra. Um, if you love it, you keep it, and they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, they'll, then you send it back for free, and your card will not be charged. Um, they also have this online service. If you don't know your size or you think it might have changed, they have a friendly online fit specialist who will help you find your perfect fit. So you go to thirdlove.com books to get started and check it out. Do that today. Don't wait. Oh, my goodness. It's so comfortable. You know, I always uh, have heard that good advice for bra wearing types of people is to get remeasured on your birthday every year, like, because you shouldn't keep a bra for more than a year, your bra should never see its first birthday. And so a good way to remember to do it is to like treat yourself to go get measured and buy pretty lingerie on your birthday. Well, that's what that is, that's my night now. There hey, we go. Hey. Couple of shots. <laughs> go harass some people. <laughs> I'll take one of this and one of those. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Uh, all right, speaking, next, all right, speaking yeah. of awesome, mm. so we, we don't talk about graphic novels that often on the show. That's true. But this one melted my brain so much. It was so fantastic that I was like, I cannot wait to tell everybody about it. It's called Monstrous, and the first volume is coming out. It's volume one, Awakening. It's by Marjorie Liu, and it's uh, illustrated by Santa Takeda. And it is like Saga meets Buffy meets the girl with all the gifts meets the villains from Willow and Time Bandits and I just dated myself. And then they all like go to a key party at Pinhead from Hellraiser's house. <laughs> it's like, it's so bonkers, weird, violent, graphic, crazy. Like this is, this is rated M for mature and it is, it earns it definitely. But it's so fascinating and absolutely gorgeous to look at. It's set in this alternative matriarchal 1900s Asia. And it's about a young teenage girl named Micah or Micah. It's M-A-I-K-A. I actually have no idea how to, how to pronounce it. Um, but it's basically war. War is pretty much the thing that, you know, drives everything. Um, there's this war going on and she's caught in the middle of it. Um, she's a young girl, and she has this psychic link with a monster that she doesn't quite understand. She's having a hard time remembering things um, about her mother, and there's, like, this sort of weird steampunky witch coven that wants to take over her and get the thing out of her and just sort of run the land. But in, like, the sort of Buffy story, she's the chosen one. For some reason, she has, like, this power that no one has ever seen or... She's and people have never been able to do the things that she does. Um, and you see like flashbacks of her memories of being an orphan and of her mother and her memories of some of these women now that are out to get her. Plus, the whole place is populated with like people with wings and all these kinds of different animals that can talk. And her companions are like 
a cat with two tails who talks out loud and says the F word a lot. It's awesome. And a little fox kid. It's so, so cool and interesting. Um, it's very uh, art deco, steampunky looking. I mean, if nothing, it's just worth looking at the illustrations because they're phenomenal. If the single issues haven't won all the awards, then they definitely will. This volume will definitely win everything because the artwork is astounding. So again, it is called Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Santa Takeda. Woo woo! Did you read it? I did not. Uh, I think you would like it. I'm going to put it on my list. I've been like off the graphic novels wagon. I think I had too many uh, floppies that I was trying to keep up with. And then I just got overwhelmed and behind. And instead of trying to catch up, it just became like that stack of New Yorkers that Mm -hmm. everybody has. Yes, that is exactly what happened to me. And then this one (laughs) fell in my lap. And I was like, boom. Yeah, I'm going to have to just like become a trades reader or an OGN reader and get caught up with all the good stuff because I'm missing out on it. Yes. So I don't have a good segue to my next one, so I'm just going to jump into it. This is one of my favorite novels of the year and one of the favorites for the summer so far. Uh, It's called The Inseparables by Stuart Stuart Nadler. It's about three generations of women in the same family. Uh, Henrietta is the grandmother. She was relatively uh, recently widowed, and now she is preparing to republish her now shameful smutty sensation from the 70s so that she can have money to continue in her retirement without the income uh, from her husband. She wrote this book back in the 70s called The Inseparables that like had all sorts of salacious moments and terrible writing and these like diagrams that she drew that uh, she thought she was making like a bold feminist statement. Everyone else thought that she was just being absurd, but it sold a jillion copies anyway. And now she's sort of infamous and hates it. Uh, She wishes that everyone would just forget, but she can't let them forget because she's got to do this republication thing. Her daughter, Una, is the uh, middle woman. She's the middle generation. She is newly separated from her husband, and she's navigating essentially a new relationship with the man who was also their couples therapist when they were divorcing. So, you know, slightly complicated life uh, there for Una. And then Lydia is Una's 15-year-old daughter. Um, She has been sent off to a fancy boarding school. Actually, she wanted to go to the fancy boarding school. And uh, when the book opens... Una and her, you know, estranged husband, Spencer, uh, are notified that their 15-year-old daughter was literally exposed to the whole school when a boy stole a naked photo off of her phone and distributed it to the whole school. Um, so they have to go collect her, and she's placed on one-week suspension. Um, the whole story takes place over the one week that Lydia is at home on suspension, and we spend time with all three of the women. The narrative moves back and forth between all three of them. Um, so. We get to learn not just what happens in that one week, but we learn how Lydia got involved with the boy who eventually stole this photo off of her phone, exactly how humiliating and terrifying it's been, what kinds of horrible messages she's receiving from anonymous people at her school who have seen the photo and the other places that the photo ends up, um, sort of that just stomach sinking feeling that this one thing that she didn't even intend to have happen, this photo that she never shared with the world now might ruin her life, certainly feels like it is ruining her life. Uh, We see Una juggling her career. She's an orthopedic surgeon, and she understands herself in that way, is just trying to figure out who she's going to be without her husband. 
that she's been with since they were very young. And we get to see her have these awkward moments with the therapist that she's dating. Uh, and then we're also with Henrietta as she's de dealing with the, you know, notoriety from having published the book and also is on the hunt for this weather vane that used to be on her house and is supposedly very valuable. And if she could just find it, she could make a lot of money. Um, and as we move back and forth between them, we get to see these women navigating really just what it is to have a woman's body in this world um, today, What the how the world treats women. Uh, it's the, the book is gentle and funny and cutting. And we see how the family came together and eventually how it starts to fall apart, how these disasters, both big and small, befell the different women and how they're going to find a way forward. It's so good. Uh, this is another one of those books by a man that has female main characters where readers are going to be like, but how did he know? Uh, so he pays attention. I'm confident now that Stuart Nadler pays attention to the women in his life and is is thinking about what our culture uh, does to women, what it must be like uh, to not be a man and have those privileges and experiences. The book is great. It's, it was just so much fun. And all, like I think fun and substantial is my theme today. Uh, and again, it's called The Inseparables. Awesome. When I saw Alexander Chi uh, read a couple months ago, he said this was his pick of the year, The Inseparables. It's great. So um, speaking of picks of the year, one of our favorite authors has a mm -hmm. new book out, Maggie O'Farrell. She yes. wrote awesome, awesome novels, including The Vanishing of Esme Lennox and Instructions for a Heat Wave, one of our personal favorites, Yep, which takes place on my birthday in London like many, many years ago. Um, it's all it's all a circle. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> She has a new book out. It is called This Must Be the Place. Not to be confused with the Kate Reculia novel or the Sean Doyle memoir or the Talking Head song. It's a really <laughs> popular book title. When I looked it up, I was like, holy cats, there are so many things named This Must Be the Place. Everybody loves the Talking Heads. Um, it's another fantastic look at family, speaking of you know family novels, and she's so, so great at it. Like, literally... Well, I guess not literally, because if my brain had stopped, I wouldn't be talking to you now. But it felt like as soon as I started reading her novel, my brain just snapped into place. And oh, like, that's the best. Her sentence structure and language is so fantastic. She's just so great. And it centers around this man named Daniel Sullivan. He is a New Yorker who is living uh, sort of in seclusion in Ireland with his wife, Claudette, and their two children. That's an unusual story, which I will get to in a second. But Daniel has a very messy uh, background. He has a 90-year-old dad who he doesn't speak to. Um, he has an atrocious ex-wife and two kids he hasn't seen or heard from in 12 years living back in the States. And he discovers that it's his father's 90th birthday party. His family really thinks he should go. So he's like, all right, fine. I'm going to go to Brooklyn. It's going to be ugly. You know, it's going to be uncomfortable, but he's 90 and whatever. I'm going to do this. And right before he goes to the States, he finds out that he, he learned something about a woman that he knew 20 years ago that really, like, hits him hard. And we don't know what it is. Um, he just, we just know that something has happened. And now he gets to the States and he decides, like, maybe I should find out more about this woman, you know. But, like, what is driving him to learn about this woman when he has this amazing, like, life back in Ireland and it's sort of, like, all about secrets. And his wife is Claudette. She is an actress in hiding. She was a very famous actress. And for reasons that, like, unfold, she stages her own disappearance. Like, oh. for all that anybody knows, like, 
she's just gone off the face of the earth, vanished. But she's actually hiding in Ireland, and that's where Daniel meets her, which is a whole other story. Um, and so it's just all these, you get to see, like, her part of the story, like, why she decided to do that, like, what her life was like before Daniel. Um, it's narrated by multiple people, like Daniel and Claudette and his two kids from his previous marriage and Claudette's assistant and a bunch of other people. The way it's structured reminded me a lot of A Visit from the Goon Squad by oh, Jennifer Egan, yeah. like... There are some images and different tenses in different chapters, and it's so good. It's so good. Um, It's definitely going to be one of my favorites of the year. It's so fantastic. I know that you and I would have had to fight for it. I would have fought you for this one, like, if you had had a chance to read it um, (laughs) before the show. But I know you're going to. Oh, I'm definitely going to. I love her so much. She's so awesome. Um, so I'm just going to stop there and say, again, it's called This Must Be the Place by Maggie O'Farrell. Oh, I'm just thinking about instructions for a heat wave again. Oh, so good. Yeah, and if you thought, like, that was, like, some family drama, like, this takes it to a whole new level. Okay, I'm here for that. <laughs> <laughs> we have another sponsor now. I guess we can do this one together. We're sponsored this week by Harper Paperbacks, who are the publishers of Erica Johansson's best-selling Queen of the Tearling trilogy. The Invasion of the Tearling, which is volume two in the best-selling trilogy, is now out in paperback. The book has magic, adventure, mystery, and romance. It's an epic story about a young princess who must reclaim her dead mother's throne, learn to be a ruler, and defeat the Red Queen, who is a powerful and malevolent sorceress determined to destroy her. Uh, like we said, magic, adventure, mystery, romance. There have been raves for this all over the place. And, you know, including BuzzFeed said that it was the world of the Queen of the Tearling is an intoxicating brew of dystopian fiction, high fantasy, science fiction, and a bit of horror. Uh, and in Invasion of the Tearling, Johansson takes the trilogy to even greater heights. Entertainment Weekly raved that this was the next Katniss Everdeen. So if you're looking to scratch that Hunger Games itch still, uh, this might be the place to do it. The first volume was called The Queen of the Tearling. It's also out in paperback. And the third and final volume called The Fate of the Tearling goes on sale November 29th. So you're in the middle of summer. You want to get into a series that you won't have to wait too long to get to the end of it. Pick up The Queen of the Tearling and The Invasion of the Tearling by Erica Johansson and look out for The Fate of the Tearling on November 29th. I was going to say something, but you were doing so well. I was just like, I'm just going to let her keep talking. Yeah. I just got on a roll there. Yeah. It's it's a great series. She's definitely a badass. And I, I'm really interested to see, like, what happens in the last one. Also, mm-hmm. last I heard, I think they were making it into a film with ah, Emma Watson, possibly. Really? Yeah. When I read the galley, that was, that's what it said, like, in the information that came with it. So, cool. I don't know if that's still a thing, but that... That would be awesome. It's time for Emma Watson to ha- to be like a badass character. Hermione was the, the brainy badass, and I would I just want to see Emma Watson like beat people up now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or we could so just, wrong? maybe we could have that as a reality show. <laughs> like people would line up to let her beat them up. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Yeah, this is all getting very weird. <laughs> uh, we'll, Tell we'll me about your next along. book. Yeah, my next one, continuing my like fun summer substantial stories, uh, is Losing It by Emma Rathbone. This is a pretty short novel. It's about a woman named Julia Greenfield who is 26. She has this uninspired job in media in New York City. Um, and the notable thing about Julia, or what she thinks is the most notable thing about her, is that she is still a virgin. Uh, For years, her friends 
she thinks have been convinced that she's not one because when you're 26 everyone just assumes and she sort of like makes comments about guys that she's dated but never really goes into details about things and thinks that she's like slipped by without ever having to like tell a sex story to a friend Uh, but she's just really starting to not feel okay about this state of things. She leaves New York for the summer to spend the summer with her middle-aged aunt in North Carolina. She wanted to go home to her parents, but they're having their own issues and like have sold the house and are on an island somewhere trying to like recreate their marriage, their you know, the early years of their marriage and it's that's a story she doesn't want to hear at all. So she goes to North Carolina, she's going to stay with her aunt that she doesn't really know and set about the project of losing her virginity. Um, One night when they're like both in kind of a weird mood, her aunt reveals to her that she's also a virgin, like at the age of 55. And this sends Julia just out of control in her brain. Like, how can it happen? How did it happen to her aunt? What if it happens to her? What can she do to have it not happen to her? Like, what would her life be like if she never had sex? And maybe that would be okay. But how will she ever know? Like, she's just kind of desperate to lose the v-card she goes on bad internet dates she has clumsy flirtations she you know hits on a guy at her office that she thinks actually might be married but she's not sure and all the while she's just trying to really figure out what love and sex mean or what they are at least going to mean to her in her life um this not a book that's going to change your life just a really fun read perfect for summer um and rathbone does a great job like it sounds like a really silly premise and if you can take a story and make it compelling and interesting and feel like there are some stakes to it with a premise like 26 year old woman tries to lose her virginity you have some writing chops Uh, so i really appreciated that again the book is called losing it by emma rathbone awesome yeah. What do you want to talk about now? Uh, books. Yay! I love <laughs> books. That's great. This is going to be so much fun. Awesome. Oh, yeah. The cake. The sugar from the cake. I just like, <laughs> yeah. It's kicking in. These headphones are the only thing holding my brains in right now. <laughs> I wish that we this were a video podcast and I could see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like its own Snapchat filter. There's cake just spewing out of your ears. Yeah, they should have or a birthday one. Little magical birthday cupcakes. Yeah, candles in your nose. What do you want to talk about? Have you read something great lately that we didn't get to talk about on the show? Um, my brain stopped. Uh, well, can I tell you my exciting news? Yeah, I mean exciting to me news, but I yes. just I can't. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite books that you've heard me talk about a million times, I can't remember if I've ever mentioned it on the show, but it is called Alligators of Abraham. Oh, you've by mentioned Robert it a few Kloss. times. Yes, I love this book. So it was published several years ago. Fantastic book. It, I hand-sold more copies of this than any other title in my nine years as a bookseller. I mean, I just love this book. It's insanely good. Um, the small press that printed it went out of business several years ago. Um, but uh, Civil Coping Mechanisms announced yesterday that they are picking it up and they will be reprinting it in the fall. So That's I can so tell everyone about it again and they can buy it. It's this crazy Civil War fever dream book, but there are like actual alligators that walk around and talk and do things. Like the first time I read it, I actually had a fever and I thought maybe I had like hallucinated the whole thing. So I went <laughs> right back to the beginning and read it again. And it was just as fantastic and amazing. It's it's so so good. So that's that's what I'm excited about today. That's really it's exciting like a birthday news. surprise. 
Yay. They knew. Yeah. The alligators. What is it called? The alligators, alligators of Abraham. Abraham. Robert okay. Kloss. Yeah. I was going to call it Abraham's alligators, but I feel that's like that's close. A, yeah. kind of. But also it sounds like it would be a totally different story. It was a kid's book. Yeah. Right. There was also uh, that really awesome like little Sesame Street sketch. Did you ever see that? Mm. Where like a little kid goes to bed and then the alligator comes out from under his bed and like sings him a song. But, like, about how he's going to eat him for dinner and, like... No, that sounds terrifying. It's so funny, though. You should Google it. It's awesome. That was my favorite sketch on Sesame Street. This sounds terrifying. That and me and my M. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of fever dreams. <laughs> um, I had a paperback shout-out that I wanted to do today um, since... I ran through my new releases, but I loved this collection. I think I talked about it last year when it came out. Um, Lovers on All Saints Day by Juan Gabriel Vasquez. Short stories. They're set in Europe. Um, when they came out last year in hardcover, it was the first time they'd been available in English. And they are stories about everyday people with fragmented lives. Um, one is about a man who's lying in bed with his lover while his wife waits for him back at their home to bring firewood. Like he left to go get firewood, but he jumped in bed at someone else's house. He's been gone for a while. Um, another one is about a man who witnesses a murder that changes his life. It's been a year since I read them, and I don't have a great memory for the details of books after the fact. I don't know if it's like by virtue of doing this show and writing about new releases and stuff that it feels kind of like studying for the test and then I forget stuff afterwards. But one of the things that I love about that is that I don't remember all the little things that happen in a book, but I can remember the way the book made me feel if it was a really great reading experience. And I'm still thinking about sort of those lingering feelings from this collection. It's quiet and quickly observant. Uh, like, you know, within a couple of sentences that Vasquez gives you about a character, you feel like you just know their whole life story and what has happened to them and what's going to happen to them and how they're going to respond to things. He's just so he's just so good at pinpointing those very human things about us and then prying them apart and then putting them into particular vignettes that uh, that explode, I guess, uh, those tiny things and make them make them into bigger deals. It's so good. I love a short story that does that. There are seven excellent ones in this collection, not a weak one in the piece. And that's called Lovers on All Saints Day. Again, it's by Juan Gabriel Vasquez. Awesome. Mm hmm. Uh, before we roll to the final real bonus round, we have our final sponsor this week. At the top of the show, you heard about Pinhole Press, and we're just going to tell you a little bit more about them now. Uh, if you have kids or nieces and nephews or you know children in your life that you like and want to buy gifts for, you've probably recognized that kids' games have gotten so complicated, not to mention the fact that now you have to like catch Pokemon on your phone. Uh, and it seems like if you're buying a game, it comes with giant sets of instructions, um, but our friends at Pinhole Press are making parents and aunts and uncles look smart with simple and smart memory games that you make from your own photos. So this is that memory game that you played as a kid where you put a bunch of photos, you know, a bunch of cards face down and you turn up two at a time and then you try to collect the pairs by remembering where they all are. So you can make one yourself for a kid in your life or for a family member. You pick 12 of your own favorite family photos. You choose the favorite pattern that you like for the back of the cards and you're done. Your memory card 
it'll ship right to your door. Kids will love it because they like to look at photos of themselves. You can tell stories about the family memories as you go through them. It hits a really nice, sweet spot of entertainment. And Pinhole Press gave us uh, each a sample code to download some. So I made some. I don't have kids. Uh, I made some with my dog and my New Zealand vacation pictures. It was so easy to upload the photos. I pulled them from my Instagram account, and they shipped within two two business days. They got here super quickly. Um, we've been just sort of flipping through them randomly, being like, oh, yeah. Yeah, remember that thing? You and the dog. Yes. Yeah. Millie and I sit down for nostalgia <laughs> section <laughs> sessions. I can't quite get Bob to agree to play a game of memory with me, but I also keep forgetting to ask. So it's fun to look through them. Uh, if you are trying to remember this, because this sounds like a good idea to you, think about the pinhole camera. And so go to pinhole press, P-I-N-H-O-L-E press.com slash books. Then use the offer code books at checkout. You'll get 20% off your personalized memory game. It's such a great way to you know give a personalized gift uh, with family photos and great memories again that's pinholepress.com slash books and enter the coupon code books for 20% off awesome okay kitten what do you want to talk about now do you want to hear about what I'm going to read next sure I have the I mean we can talk about you know other things too but it's just the first thing that popped into my head tell me um, all about I have it. the new Kelly Luce <gasps> Mm-hmm. Pull me under. She wrote, um, uh, oh goodness, the, I just lost the title out of my head. Uh, three stories in which Hannah Sasaki grows a tail, finds a tail. It's, yeah, I've left, it's a lot of words. A girl uh, has a tail. Yes. Uh, yeah, three scenarios. There we go. Three scenarios in which Hannah Sasaki grows a tail, um, which I talked about, I think, mm-hmm. a few months ago. Anyway, I finally got her new book. I'm so excited because it sounds like so sinister and intriguing and fantastic. It's about a woman who, when she was 12 years old, fatally stabbed the school bully. Oh. And when she was living in Japan. And now she's living in America. And her father dies. Her father is a, a famous violinist. And right after he dies, she receives a mysterious package on her doorstep. And it spurs her to return to Japan for the first time in 20 years. I'm like, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> so I can't wait to read this. That sounds like fun. Yes. Um, thinking about Lovers on All Saints Day got me thinking about other short story collections that do that thing that that collection does and look mm-hmm. at everyday people's lives in this like quiet, cutting way. And a couple favorites. I think I talked about both of them on the show, but it's been a while um, that came to mind that were of that same flavor are Honeydew by Edith Perlman. She is quite prolific and I came way late to the Edith Perlman party, but I was just in love from page one. I think it's the first story in the collection. Again, here's my like terrible memory for book details um, is about a woman who owns a nail parlor in a small town and this man who one of them is grieving. I don't remember which, uh, but this man who starts to come in and get pedicures from her and they talk to each other and this friendship opens up between them and she thinks about her work doing people's nails as really a a form of caretaking for them. And it is an intimate act um, to have someone else's hands or someone else's feet in your own hands. And uh, that sort of sharing that happens, like when you go to get your hair done and people just let all of their secrets out. um, It's this really just lovely, quiet story um, that uh, of what happens between them. And it just hooked me. And I read the whole collection very quickly and was like, Edith Perlman, where have you been all my life? Um, And then I promptly swore to like read everything that she had ever written. And of course, I have not 
caught up yet, but I just loved that collection so much. And I don't know why more people aren't talking about Edith Perlman. She's magic. If you like short stories, you're into, you know, language and a beautiful sentence, but also a, a thing happens in her stories. It's not just like, look what a lovely sentence I can write. Definitely pick up Honeydew. There is so much to be loved there. Uh, it also reminded me uh, of Half an Inch of Water by Percival Everett, which is set in the American West, um, has that very Western-y, like arid, con not country, but like a cowboy kind of feeling. There's people working on farms, people whose lives are not easy. Um, some of the main characters are Black people living in the American West, and they, Black people are few and far between in some of these towns, and uh, Everett gets at what their experiences are like. And then a few of the stories also have like just a touch of the surreal or magic realism. A couple of them feel like maybe you're having a fever dream while it happens, but they're just grounded enough in reality that you're like, sure, okay, I, I'm, I'll believe this thing that you're telling me here. Um, it was my first time reading Percival Everett, who's also very prolific, and that collection was a great way to discover his work. Um, again, that one's Half an Inch of Water. And those are both uh, out in paperback for sure now. Um, so if you're looking for short stories for the summer, you are covered. Those are our new books and a few random favorites. And you already told me what you're going to read next. Yeah. Do you, uh, you want to hear about a book that I was just reminded of when I was looking at Litzy the yes. other day? Oh, of course. It's called So Long, See You Tomorrow by William Maxwell, which won the National Book Award in the beginning of the 80s. Um, it's, if you like Stoner by John Williams. This oh, is who an doesn't? Amazing, yeah, this is an amazing book to read. Um, it's just this really simple, beautifully written story about these two boys um, in rural Illinois in the 1920s, and their friendship sort of goes different ways when a man is shot. Um, it's so fantastic, and I feel like everyone should read it, so I just wanted to mention it before I forgot again. Um, it's it's so unbelievably beautiful. And also read Stoner if you have not read Stoner. Yes. Do read Stoner. So good. I love those. Here's a request I have for our listeners. I love a novel that tells a character's whole life in the novel. And Stoner, I think, is just such a beautiful example of that. But if you have others, I would love to hear your recommendations. Nice. Um, what I'm going to read next is Neurotribes by Steve Silberman. I've had my eye on it for a while. It's coming out in paperback later um later this summer i think it's a big book it's about neurodiversity um essentially understanding the autism spectrum and more about just the like huge variety in the ways that uh, people's brains work and how we approach the world and how we interact with other humans i've heard that it's really incredible and i'm gonna get a jump on it so that i can have read it by the time it's out in paperback and i can talk about it on the show um i've just heard nothing but good things and i'm really excited about that um so that's what i'm gonna read next. Awesome. We want to thank our sponsors. Again, you, you can go to pinholepress.com slash books and use the offer code books at checkout to get 20% off your order for your personalized memory game. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your free 30-day trial with the 24-7 t-shirt bra and check out Invasion of the Tearling by Erica Johansson. Wherever books are sold, we'll also have a link to it in the show notes. 
You can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. Talk to us on Twitter. Hit me with those life story novel recommendations. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty, our birthday girl, is Miss Liberty. And as always, if you have a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes, we would certainly appreciate that. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. So there we all have right. it. That's it. You got to go eat more cake. No, we decided I'm going to pick something else. Remember? All right. Donuts. Yeah. Something. Something <laughs> vegan. Cat. I don't know. Cats no. Vegan? Cats are definitely not vegan. There's, I can just like, I can see a paw like under my office door and that's when I just like pop this in my head. They're like, you don't usually take this cut long when you're recording. <laughs> Come pay attention yeah. to us, please. Well, I won't keep you any longer. Go have your birthday snuggles. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.